Coming up on today's Locked On Senators. Yesterday, we gave our thoughts on Michael Anlauer being the next owner of the Ottawa Senators, but now it's time for yours. We got over 150 replies on Twitter of what should be at the top of Michael Anlauer's to-do list. And we continue our 2023 NHL Draft Prospect Profiles with three new players, Otto Stenberg, Gavin Brindley, and our first prospect from the queue, Ethan Gauthier. Plus... Mark Stone has won the Stanley Cup. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started today. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 820 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains, please like and subscribe wherever you download your podcast. We're also available on YouTube for free. You can find us Monday through Friday, plus when news breaks. Today is Wednesday, June 14th, and Pillsy, it really does feel like the dawn of a new era. Not only the new owner for the Ottawa Senators, but on the night that it's announced, Eugene Melnick's estate is selling the team. His biggest mistake wins the Stanley Cup as a captain. Oh, yeah, and he scores a hat-trick in the clinching game. Yeah, I mean, what an epic, epic way to cap things off for the Vegas Golden Knights. And Mark Stone, oh, man, like, Sens fans, we obviously are very happy for Mark Stone, obviously. And I had bittersweet feelings about this, Ross, and not for the reasons you might think, not because I was like, oh, damn, like, Vegas got Mark Stone. I'm pissed off. The return wasn't what we wanted, et cetera. No, it was just, it was those feelings being like, we could have been watching this with Stone wearing an Ottawa Senators jersey one day. Cause that was, and Pierre, Pierre Dorian's even said it. That was one of the few moves where he looks back and he's like, damn, wish that could have worked out differently. Cause Mark Stone truly is a, a legendary hockey player already. He's uh, all around good captain good teammate respected guy throughout the entire league and i mean scoring a hat trick in the stanley cup winning game at home in vegas that's incredible what an iconic game for the captain and all of his goals were just classic mark stone even yes the empty netter from his own zone after he hit the post a minute earlier steel snipe selly the Mark Stone story, we coined that back in 2016, 2017, and it's just rings true. Basically, since the Hamburglar run at Philadelphia, yeah. they needed to win game 82. He strips the defenseman at the offensive blue line, snipes it, and just legendary sallies on him all the time. And uh, just happy for Mark Stone. Shout out Michael Amadio, too, and his cup of coffee with the Ottawa Senators. <laughs> he found a role in that team, but it all kind of fell into place behind Mark Stone. He's yeah. the type of captain. Go look at the, the quotes when they traded for him. These players, these people do not become available. And when they do, you have to make sure it works. I liked our boy Halim's Martians comment, though. He said, Branny, this isn't your fault, man. 
yeah exactly yeah and it really isn't but i i also liked um i'm always curious about the cup handoff line uh it fascinates me and man uh, i respect how they did that the three misfits uh march or so riley smith and william carlson were all the next three after stone and well those guys deserve it riley smith first yes yeah sorry i didn't have that order right but those three players yeah they like Man, those guys were cast away by their teams. They started it all in Vegas six years ago. And Marcia So winning the Conn Smythe, like just just an incredible sports story, the Vegas Golden Knights. Whether you hate them or love them, you, you have to respect what they've done. Year six, the same length the Senators have been out of the playoffs on the outside looking in. So how can they get back? A lot of people believe that that's number one on the to-do list for the owner Michael and Lauer, and I'm going to pull up all of these replies. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see all of them. We're just going to kind of coin a few of them, but I do think it's great that we can kind of share that and put these thoughts on a, a platform like we do. So coming up after the break, we're going to get to that. Then we'll turn our attention to three offensive weapons in the draft. And they all bring a little something different when we get back to our Draft rankings where today we're in the mid-20s. Can you believe it, Pilsy? We've been knocking these off left, right, and center. If you missed any of them, you can head over to the YouTube page and find them where they'll live forever. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. Guys, I was excited about Vegas having a chance to win the cup at home, so I put a couple shekels on it at FanDuel Sportsbook app and if you're going to use any sports book, you got to use FanDuel. It's the trusted sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. I love their app. It's simple, safe, secure, easy to use. And if you're a new customer, that's even better. They've got the no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's my favorite app easily compared to all the other ones. And you can combine bets for a bigger chance at a bigger payout with same game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get the no sweat first bet up to a thousand bucks back in bonus bets. When you go to fanduel.com slash locked on again, that's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Today's episode is also brought to you by owl and co grooming. Am I at the owl noise yet, Pilsy? That, closer. That is the beauty of Owl & Co. It's a local company started by our friend Chris Sinclair, and he wants you to have a grooming routine that is free from complications. Their starting lineup includes air tonics, sea salt sprays, and utility bombs. So versatile is the name of the game. So whether you're looking to take care of that epic beard or just adding more nourishment to your hair to protect it against the sun, start here. Because all their products are made with natural ingredients like coconut oil, sweet almond oil. They use shea butter as well. No time for blemishes. All of their products are made by hand in small batches. So you know they're going to be made to the highest standard. Go outside your comfort zone. Start with these products every single morning and you'll see a difference in your grooming routine. You're actually going to look forward to it is the goal at Owl & Co. Owl & Co. is all about finding your way to a perfect grooming routine. So visit them on the web at owlandcogrooming.com or on Instagram, owlandcogrooming. Make sure you go check out Chris Sinclair too, Chris on Sends. And because you're a fan of Locked On Sends, you get 15% off by using the code SENATORS15. 
15% off Senators 15 at checkout. We know you're going to love it. Can't wait for you to try it. So go check them out right now at owlandcogrooming.com. You're listening to Locked On Senators, and we do want to give a hat tip to all the good people out there who, against their will, are no longer employed because of uh, the big box store brands is how we'll refer to them here, Pilsy. But our thoughts are with, you know, guys who we work with at Locked On who have different jobs. The show that kind of gave me my start has yep. been taken off the air in Toronto, and it just it sucks when you wake up to see that so many good people have lost their jobs. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's really unfortunate, Ross, and uh, these are tough times economically and uh, the sports broadcasting business in certain areas, especially radio, they're, they're feeling the, the pinch of tough ec- economic times, and that's the thing. There's so many good people that lost jobs today. 1,300 people were cut uh, at Bell, and these are people that put their blood, sweat, and tears into creating good content, covering sports uh, stories properly, giving you uh, news and information in an entertaining way. And a lot of these people are our colleagues and friends. So definitely it's uh, tough news to see that this morning. And we're, we're hoping the best for all of them. But the good thing is, Ross, a lot of these people, if not all of them, are very talented. And there's roles for them somewhere, maybe not even necessarily in sports, but I believe that all of them will bounce back on their feet. Well said, Pilsy. And a reminder, Locked On Senators not going anywhere. We'll be here Monday through Friday every time news breaks as well. So make sure you're subscribed to the channel. We are hoping for the best as well for TSN 1200 in Ottawa. I grew up on the Team 1200. And that's something that's uh, always going to be near and dear to my heart. And so many talented people there. And it just sounds like they're on ESPN syndicated radio at noon. We know some shows. Anyways, complete gong show over there. Uh, but we do wish the best for the people who go in and grind every day to get the best content available for you. Um, there's a wild time as well, and, and this to almost transition out of it, but like the Senders just got a new owner. The Stanley Cup final was last night. There's nothing live, so let's get this out as soon as we can. But with that, Michael and Lauer, what's number one? We talked about this at the end of the live stream. I'm not sure how many people saw it. It was a two-hour live stream. Yeah. We kind of failed, though, Pilsy. We said we'd go 24 straight hours back in 2021 if the team sold. I think we did well with the two hours. Now, so many different opinions of what has to be number one on Michael Ann Lauer's to-do list. What is it for you? And then we'll get into some of the listeners who wrote in on Twitter at Send Central. Yeah, well, I'll just kind of repeat what I said in our uh, two-hour-long suit show yesterday. Definitely check that out if you haven't checked it out yet. But... Basically, for me, the most important thing is blending this team back with the city of Ottawa and the people of Ottawa. Bring back those casual fans that throughout the lean years uh, didn't follow the team anymore. Bring back the community, the charitable uh, part of having an NHL team helping out the city. That relationship between the Ottawa Senators and the people and the fans of the team needs to be mended and everyone needs to feel like they're together rather than a us versus them type mentality. So 
I, I think that's the first step. Obviously, you want to see a winning hockey team. That goes without saying. But to do that, you got to bring the fans, the local sponsors, and the people back uh, back with open arms. Without people, there's no anything. And a lot of people are mentioning the people in the front office, the analytics department, people want to see there. People want to see Daniel Alfredson come in anywhere. I'm on that that train full wholeheartedly. And you know what? A lot of people are saying, you know what? Daniel Alfredson might not have the experience, although he did spend a year learning with Brian Murray and Pierre Dorian, the year where Brian Murray was also a senior advisor but had stepped down from the GM role. So Alfie's been a part of a front office in the NHL for one year and his team made it to the conference final. So how about that as a hold on to your stick moment? But um, with Daniel Alfredson, I think the last year and a half, the last two years, he knows that there's going to be a spot for him eventually. And with the work ethic being Daniel Alfredson's number one attribute throughout his NHL career, he's going to have prepared for this moment. I have no doubt in my mind that Daniel Alfredson is going to step in and do a great job right away, whatever role he may be in. I totally agree, Ross. I mean, Alfie, like this guy is just amazing at everything he does. Like, I feel like that is fair to say. And people that know him personally would definitely agree. And I think, the perfect kind of role and spot for him is kind of the Jason Spezza model for me, like how he's been assistant uh, GM. And uh, I think the assistant GM role would be perfect for Alfie. You know, don't give him the both hands on the steering wheel right away, have him get a little bit more experience, but lean on him for all that hockey knowledge he has and uh, the wealth of experience he has. So I really think no matter where he goes, he's, no matter what position he has, he's going to be successful. But I would love to see Daniel Alfredson, assistant general manager. How about on ice? Of course, to bring it comes to mind because a decision has yes. to be made there one way or another. And Bruce Garriott kind of doubling down on his stance that it's going to be a trade and it's going to be before the draft. And he didn't argue that Alex DeBrinkett has enjoyed his time in Ottawa, which is what the report from Steve Warren said is just he loves the coach and all that but he thinks that he doesn't want to spend the next eight years playing in Canada. So if that's the case, you just have to get the best return for him. But I I'm very interested to see what happens there. But beyond that, like they can't go into the year with the same group that they had this year. If we're going past the brinket, the goaltending has to be number one. And look, I, I love Anton Forsberg. I love Mad Sogard. I have a lot of belief in both those guys, but that's just not going to cut it for, for this team, at least not yet. I don't believe Mad Sogard is where he needs to be yet. And I don't believe he should be forced into a spot and expected to be there yet. It takes time to develop as a goalie into the NHL. It's hard. So I would like to see them bring in a goalie that can be a 1A type goalie. And then Forsberg can be the 1A or uh, 1B rather and give Mad Sogard an, another year to kind of uh, hone his craft as a number one goalie in Belleville. And then I think you can start looking at options of uh, Sogard becoming more regular goalie. But look, this team can't do anything without proper goaltending. We saw it. This team had one of the league's best power play and top 10 penalty kill at the same time and still was on the outside of the playoffs looking in. Like that is unheard of because of unfortunate um, injuries in goal and Cam Talbot just did not live up to expectations. So the goaltending... You can't win without a goalie. I think I'm going to go back to what Sens Chirp wrote in. Just said, initially, 
patience. It's not that this new owner yeah. is going to come in, bust down the door, f- go full Ari Gold in entourage with the uh, with the paintball gun and just start firing every single person in sight. You need to learn what you're coming into yes. by being boots on the ground and being in the office. And yesterday we mentioned Brent Wallace reported that Michael Anlauer will be a permanent resident in Ottawa. He's moving there. He wants to be on top of how this thing operates, man. You know, what really gets me excited about all this though, is the fact that every person who has relationships with Michael Anlauer can't stop saying positive things about him when they bring up working for him in the past or what his intentions are as an NHL owner. Like that gets me super excited. And that gives me the belief that we're not going to be sitting here dealing with as many head scratchers as we have in the past. Yeah, I really think so. I just think like Ross, I'm so excited that the owner of the Ottawa Senators is kind of, I don't want to say boring, but there's there's nothing extravagant or radical about him. Like it just seems like he's going to be a smart, safe choice and he's going to run this team responsibly and focusing on winning hockey games. Like I'm so relieved that that's where we're at. And I'm so relieved we don't have to start off this show with saying the update is there's no update. It's all figured out. We can start moving forward here. Well, Friedman wants everyone to know that the belief is that Michael Anlauer was the lowest of all the bidders during the first and second stages. I like that. He didn't want to get into a bidding war against himself. He's like, no, let's lurk in the shadows. He didn't want that. Bright, shiny B, the billion word, right? Like he didn't need to come in with celebrities. He didn't need to come in and put all this shine on his. He knew that he had the ability to win this and he did. And I think that that's going to set the tone for what his moves are as Senator's owner. And that gets me really excited as a fan because he seems super confident. He seems like a guy who, at least to this point, like all we have is one statement from him. It's not like he's going and parading around that he's won this bid. Everything is just like, it's confidence. Like at least it exudes confidence from the outside. It's like, yeah, this is what was meant to happen. So I think from a Senator's standpoint, you have to be ecstatic that it hasn't like, imagine the other bids win. I feel like we would, we would be getting the, you know, the victory lap. It would have been like Mark Stone carrying the cup around Vegas, uh, around the rink again. No, he's like, no, let's just get our ducks in a row. We're still negotiating the final terms yep. by September. Get the keys to the kingdom. And then let's make some decisions from there. So lots of exciting times ahead, though, for Ottawa Senators fans. But if you're just listening, as I was scrolling through, I, we only got through half of those answers. So head to Send Central. We retweet it, so it's close to the top of our page there on Twitter. But the bottom line is more people in the hockey operations department. Obviously, a new arena came up a lot. Winning solves all. And then we got a lot of kind of on ice, what people want to see. And of course, as a fan, that's what you want. The owner, he's in charge of hiring the right people to who then put the right product on the ice. I don't think that Michael Anlauer, and he might be involved in hockey decisions, but I don't think that's going to be where we notice him the most. At least I hope not after what we saw with the last owner. I hope that it's just putting the right people in the right places and then stepping back and saying, I did my part. Now let them do what they do best. Yeah, and I think that is what we're going to see here because it's, you know, some owners love to play uh, fantasy sports with the teams that they own and there's certain guys they like. And I would do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I don't blame them. But the thing is, 
what's the point of spending all this time and money hiring people if you're just going to go above them and and not take their advice or or follow their direction when they're they're the experts right so i think we're going to see uh proper ownership here and that that's just such a relief it just makes it it gives me a warm fuzzy feeling inside ross and uh, i'm excited for that absolutely let us know in the comments as well so if case you don't have twitter or whatever you want to get your say in who or what should be the first hire or things done on Michael Anlauer's to-do list once he gets the keys to the Ottawa Senators. All right, coming up next, we've got three draft prospects to get to. One of them is related to a current Ottawa Senator. One is undersized but has the heart of a lion. And a third, the production, you might say, eh, it's okay. But man, the skill is evident. That's all coming up next. You're listening to Locked on Senators. We've covered every angle of the Ottawa Senators offseason so far, and we are just getting warmed up. Two weeks today is the NHL draft. We have plans in place for an hour-plus live stream leading up to the first overall pick. Then head over to Twitter at Send Central. We're going to put out little clips of each player as they get drafted from these profiles we're going to do. And it's going to be a complete blast. Then we'll have, of course, an immediate reaction episode that we're going to record right after the draft. But stay tuned. We'll keep programming up to date with you as we zoom through the next two weeks, which will be full of different storylines. We should also mention that the Ottawa Senators, within 48 hours, have to qualify Shane Pinto and Jacob Bernard Docker. That's just going to be paperwork, all good. But still no signings. Pelsey, you think we see some signings before the draft? Like, do you think any of these RFAs get done? Yeah, I anticipate one or two will get done. Uh, I don't, I think Branny and Pinto will take some time. I think uh, some of the other RFAs, you, you just clean up and do simple one-year deals. And Igor Sokolov needs his next contract. And I'm interested because when you draft an overager, you have to expect that they're going to they're going to want they're going to be hungry to make the NHL and and want that sooner rather than later so I'm really interested to see what Igor's next deal looks like with the Ottawa Senators but for now coming in at number 20 coming in at number 24 on our locked on Senators NHL draft rankings we're going to Sweden we're going to Otto Stenberg yes a Frolunda prospect here Five foot eleven, hundred and eighty-one pounds. Left shot plays center or left wing. In twenty-nine games in the J twenty league, he had eleven goals and fifteen assists, good for twenty-six points. He did have a decent amount of time in the SHL with Forlunda. Had three points in twenty-three games, but Ross, where this kid really showed his talent was when he was the captain for Team Sweden in the U eighteens. Seven goals and sixteen points in seven games. And what's very notable about that is that's played on a smaller ice surface, which is where he seems to play his best. He has great in tight skill. He pulled off two, not one, two lacrosse style goals. Ironically, we're about to profile a Michigan man in the next segment. And with that, 
You look at Otto Stenberg as a guy whose skill jumps off the charts. He's, like you mentioned, maybe a bit undersized, 5'11", 180. But now that Marshall's won the uh, Conn Smythe, maybe we're just going to see it trending smaller and smaller like yeah. kind of like it already has. But he's he's pretty consistent on the draft rankings outside of elite prospects, which will bring us to the obvious if you've noticed a trend for what makes elite prospects tick. We'll get to that. But Craig Button has him at 21st. Chris Peters at 22. Corey Pronman at 28, Scott Wheeler at 29, elite prospects down at 36. Pilsy, let me guess, skating is a concern for Otto Stenberg. Yeah, I would definitely say that's his uh, biggest concern here. But uh, I don't know if I would say he's a bad skater. It just It's something that is kind of stalling his progression to be a, an even better player because the skill is there. Like this guy is a, is a dual threat. He loves to have the puck on his stick. Although I do see him as more of a playmaker that can also finish rather than a finisher that can also make plays. Um, but he sets his teammates up with ease. Once that puck is on his stick in the offensive zone, it, it's really hard for the opposing team to get it off. And he'll, he will be patient. He will dance around the offensive zone and keep that puck away from uh, anyone until he finds the right play, and then he can set up his teammates. So I think Otto Stenberg, he's shown that he can get it done in the J20 League in Sweden. He's shown that at the U18s and the smaller ice, he can get it done. I would like to see him have a little bit more time in the SHL and see how that goes for him. I think he projects as a winger at the next level. I agree. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I agree. Just because I don't think he quite has the defensive uh, side of that game to thrive as a centerman. And I just think he's someone that, you know, you want someone to get the puck for him and then get open and get ready and then he'll feed it back to you. You know what I mean? Like he's kind of the guy that he's the middleman between goals. He doesn't really start the play. He doesn't always finish the play, although he can. He's the guy that sets it up for the finisher. I completely agree with your assessment of Otto Stenberg. And I would be thrilled if you're watching this right after your team drafted Otto Stenberg, you should be really excited, especially if you're a team where you're like, you're not looking for that, that one, a prospect. You're looking at more of a complimentary player yes. who can put up points. Like he's not going to be like that dazzling, you know um, I don't think he's going to have a lot of like three, four point games where he just takes over a game. But I think consistently with the skill and with the uh, the vision and IQ and shot that, that I believe is high end, the compete is high end for him, that he's going to be a guy who maybe he's the third best player on the line, but that line is in the top six and that line is contributing, I think, when it's all said and done. I hope he comes over to North America sooner rather than later because if he excels on the small ice especially and you want to acclimate him to your organization – I think maybe one more year, if that, with Frolunda. And then, I mean, it's a great program. Like, don't, you're not trying to get him out of there because you don't believe that he's yes. going to be decent there. But you're also at a situation, and he's not signed as far as I know. It's a junior contract that he's still on uh, because he doesn't have that minutes played at the top level. But I just, I foresee him being a very important player in a top six on an NHL team. You, you know what player comparable just popped up for me, and I'm interested to get your opinion on this. A Riley Smith. What do you think about that? Because I, I like that, right? Because he's not he's not the top guy in Vegas, but put him on a line with uh, Marsha Show, uh, William Carlson, a scorer and another playmaker, and this guy can really thrive. And I think you know he can go anywhere from 
35 points to 60 points in a given year, just depending on kind of how things go. And I think Riley Smith, that's a dual threat option that you don't really look at as a sniper, but you know he can keep up with his teammates and set up good players. So I really think uh, for Otto Stenberg, uh, shades of Riley Smith is, is what popped into my head. And the EP draft guide says it's shades of Thomas Tatar, which is a similar comparison, right? He's competitive, but he's got skill. He'll go in low. He'll do what he needs to do with it. A a dual threat, but at the same time, it's like, okay, is he going to drive the middle enough? Which is why, I mean, I don't know why he's even playing center right now. I think he should be moved to the wing ASAP and kind of just grind into that mindset that I'm going to compete down low. I know I have the hands and the shot that I can put up points, but at the end of the day, it's going to be his compete that brings him his paycheck in the NHL. Yeah, and I mean, this this is a captain of Team Sweden at the U18s. There was a lot of talented kids on that team. So that goes to show you that not only does he have the talent, but uh, he's got some leadership qualities as well. So I think any team that drafts Stenberg, they're going to be happy. I think they're going to be extremely happy. And for more on Otto Stenberg, you can head over to our YouTube channel where you can find breakdowns of all the top 70 prospects coming up in the NHL draft. So that's Otto Stenberg, who if your team takes Otto Stenberg, I think you're in for a treat. But where do you do you have a team that you like for him? Like when you look at that draft order, I see him, you know, late teens, early 20s. Like, could he be a guy like the New York Rangers where it's like, you know what I mean? Where where they're, they're competing to win now and they don't need that like, that, oh, he's going to be a high-end top six guy. All their top six guys are locked up, but this is a guy who could complement them eventually. Like That's just the type of system that I want to see him go into. Yeah, I think New York Rangers is a good one. They've got 23. I'm looking at the draft order now. Um, I could see maybe a team like St. Louis liking him as well. Uh, maybe a Minnesota. Uh, I, I think, if I remember, uh, his analytics are pretty favorable too, so that could be Seattle's calling card there. So, I think any team from 20 to 25, that's a great spot. I love what I'm seeing from Otto Stenberg. And if your team just took him, good times ahead for you. All right. Now, coming in at number 25 on our Locked On Senators 2023 draft rankings, it's Gavin Brindley. This kid is Awesome to watch. He's a guy, Michigan, just finished his uh, freshman year there, and he's a guy that puts up points at the college level. But not only that, he is the biggest pain in the ass to play against if you have to go shift to shift against this guy. Non-stop motor. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, EP awarded him second best motor in the draft. So that goes to show how much uh, this kid really just keeps going. A Florida kid, which we're starting to see more and more often here, Ross. But the story for Gavin Brindley is the size here. Five foot nine, 157 pounds. But that's just the thing. Like, uh, Ross, you love to say this, so I'll steal your line. He's always been small. Right. Like it's not like being small is a new thing for him. So he's had to find ways to uh, work around that. And if you're going to be small, you better have a high motor and you better not let it get you down. Like you better not let all the bigger, stronger players just disappoint you. And, uh, you know, you rely on doing crazy skilled plays to make your way. That's not what Gavin Brindley does. I think he's a great two way forward that, like you mentioned, other teams are just going to like, it's like shooing a fly away from you. Like they just, it's unrelentless and you're just like, come on, get, get out of here. And eventually it gets the best of you. So Gavin Brindley, uh, 
he played a big role for the Michigan Wolverines last year. He certainly did with 12 goals, 26 assists, good for 38 points in 41 games. And Pilsy, you talk about size being an issue. It wasn't an issue when he's playing against kids older than him anyways, because he's already one of the youngest kids in college hockey. Being an October birthday, he's able to play his draft year in the college ranks. And this is after two full seasons at the USHL and then getting to kind of join the U S national team program a little bit later on in the process. Dude, he played world juniors this year as a draft eligible. Like you don't often see guys, especially this, like Adam Fantilli was like a fourth line guy on team Canada as the draft ranking. Meanwhile, he had four points in seven games. He's able to kind of get a consistent shift and to do that. I mean, it just speaks to the drive, the competitiveness and teams are going to fall in love with that. It's just in the NHL against the strongest players. Like we talk about Jonathan Marks or so being the, about the same size as Gavin Brindley, but his game isn't to, you know, intimidate. It isn't to run guys through the wall. Like he's able to score and he's able to be competitive. Nobody's saying the Marshall isn't competitive, but I think that Gavin Brindley's probably going to end up being, if he hits his ceiling, like a third line guy who can kind of do a bit of everything, but he's going to have to come in and, and hit guys and, and make it tough on oppositions night in and night out. And I think there might just be a bit of growing pains with that for a guy who's going to be like, he's 165 pounds right now, Pilsy. Like he's got to go in there and earn the respect from NHLers. I'm not saying he can't do it, but there's a reason why he's a little bit lower. If this guy, and I, I hate to kind of go back to it, but it's just a fact with NHL teams. If this guy was six foot three, we're looking at a top 15 pick, a lottery pick, no question. Yeah, I think that's fair to say because getting away from the size talk, Ross, he's a good all-around prospect that plays hard. From the highlights I saw of him, he gets a stick in lanes to break up passes. He battles in the corner for being a small guy. And EP mentioned that he really improved his puck play as the season went along. And, I mean, he almost finished at a point-per-game clip with uh, 38 points in 41 games. And he was on a Michigan team that – if you want to get ice time on that stack squad, you better be pretty decent or you better be doing something the coach likes. And he did get ice time, Ross. Only Adam Fantilli had more average time on ice than uh, Gavin Brindley did. Very interesting because I was going to come at it from a different perspective and saying, hey, if guys are feeding them, uh, maybe a little easier for him to get points, at least in that kind yeah, of role. But you're saying, Man, you got to convince your coach that you're a benefit to have on the ice. Exactly. Yeah. Like uh, Gavin Brindley, I just, I, I love the way he thinks the way the game of hockey, like Wheeler mentioned that he never stands still. And I loved seeing that from guys because once you start standing still and you start watching the play, you're, you're flat footed and you're already putting yourself a step behind any play that's going to happen, whether it's transitioning up ice a turnover, a quick pass or, or whatever it is you've already put yourself at a disadvantage. So keep those feet moving, keep it going. Like he's got so much energy that I, I think coaches are going to love Gavin Brindley. Like he's going to be one of those guys, like um, I'm blanking on the guy's name. Is it Zach Dalpe? A really small guy used to play for Columbus. He plays for Florida. Okay. So, so he's in Florida. So yeah, that, and that's a guy that his whole life, he had to grind it out and uh, they had him on chiclets and he told insane stories of his dad uh, having to do crazy stuff to motivate him to keep him playing hard. And I think Gavin Brindley is one of those guys where you don't need to motivate him. He, 
he gets it. He knows he's smaller and he knows if he's going to stick around, he's got to do things that other players aren't willing to do or play at a higher, higher intensity level. And he's doing it. He certainly is. And I think he needs a bit of time though, right? This isn't a guy who's going to step into the NHL next year or the year after. No, I really don't think so. But I mean, if you're at university of uh, Michigan playing with the Wolverines, that's a great place to be. Nothing wrong with hanging out there. And Ross, Get the protein shakes going, Gavin. Get uh, hit the Ridley gym. Greg diet. Yeah, the Ridley Greg diet. Four protein shakes a day. One one with every meal, uh, and then a midnight snack. One like you got to get that going, and uh, I think that can do a lot for him. So, for me, Ross, this is such a hard prospect to rank, and I'm sure scouts had the same uh, the same problem here because. He seems to play the right way, like I mentioned. I love so much about him, and he has the talent. He put up points. I'm just worried if he doesn't get that size, he won't be able to develop properly up against bigger, stronger competition. I love the differing opinions on Gavin Brindley, though. One Western Conference scout in February told elite prospects that he's not a pick for him because the skill level is good but not great, and to be at that size, you have to be really fast, but he's not sure that Brindley's really that fast out there. And then another Western Conference scout says to EP, it's funny, you'd watch Michigan and Fantilli season made you forget about how good this kid is. I think he could be one of the better players in this draft when we look back at it. So hmm. I think that's about as wide a variety of opinions that we could get from a, uh, from a player like Gavin Brindley. So I'm going to break the middle. I'm going to say he goes towards the end of the first round. Pick 25 to 32 is where I'd look for Gavin Brindley to go. And I think the team that gets him there is going to be really excited. And he's the kind of guy where, especially at college next year, a lot of uh, fans on uh, of their team are going to be throwing up his highlights and be like, how did we get this guy at the end of the first round? Because he's going to be over a point per game at Michigan next year and a big part of what they do going forward. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, Ross, I really see Gavin Brindley as a guy that a team takes in the late first round that already has taken a first round pick, right? They've already banked on that high upside guy earlier on. And then they're like, okay, oh. we like this kid. And uh, <laughs> what what's going on? It's going to be Montreal 31, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I was looking at, honestly. I'm yeah, so yeah, that could be a spot for him for sure. Um, so I, I, I think... It's worth rolling the dice on this kid, but you can't put all your prospect chips on him to pan out. So that's it's going to be interesting to see what team decides to go for him. It is worth noting it's more than just Montreal at the end of the first round that has multiple picks. St. Louis actually has three picks. Could that be a landing spot? They have 25 and 29 as well as 10th overall. And the San Jose Sharks who are drafting fourth also have the 26th pick. They got that in the Timo Meyer trade. Nashville could be a good spot. We know that in the past, they're not afraid of drafting undersized guys. Hell, their GM's pretty undersized, Barry Trotz himself. So uh, he's able, you know, maybe to relate. And they, he said, and this is why Nashville's so interesting to me. They said, give me the highest upside players available. We'll fill out the rest of our roster as can be. So I'm curious to know where Gavin Brindley will go in the draft, but an electric ball of fury when he steps out on the ice with a ton of skill as well gavin brinley comes in at number 25 on our locked on senators nhl draft rankings all right coming in at number 26 on our locked on senators nhl draft rankings it's our first qmjhl player he's related to senators winger julian gautier from 
formerly of Sherbrooke, actually got traded last week to Drummondville for next season. It's Ethan Gauthier. Yeah, this is the prospect out of these three Ross that I'm most excited about. I really like Ethan Gauthier here. And it's crazy that we're at player number 26 in our rankings. And this is the first player from the queue, especially considering the the queue won the Mem Mem Cup this year. So you'd think that uh, we'd have some guys a little earlier on here. But man, Gauthier is a guy that is it's clear why he's the first Q player here 66 games 30 goals 39 points good for 69 points in 66 games he had 11 points in 11 playoff games he had six goals in five games at the Holinka Gretzky Cup and he was the first overall pick in the 2021 QMJHL uh, priority draft. He plays right wing. He's a right shot. And like you said, the pedigree's been there at every level. He's just been dominant. Like if you go back and and look at kind of the rise to where he is now, his last year of Bantam, this guy's two points per game, just dominant out there. And then steps into the QMJHL and immediately put up 39 points in 65 games. Like he's a guy where you know the offense is going to be there. But Pilsy, that's not just his calling card. He's a guy I could see as a penalty killer at the next level. He's a guy who's been able to modify his game to be a two-way forward in this league. And that's why he's all the way up at 17 on Craig Button's list. Now, everyone else sees him as end of the first round, uh, start of the second, which I almost feel like next season, Pilsy, we should put a line through the the best and worst score, like in the Olympics, right? You take out the top score, you take out the bottom. And then we're looking at one spot difference because Scott Wheeler has him at 30th. Chris Peters at 31, Elite Prospects at 31, and then Corey Prom at 35. So he and Craig Button kind of negate each other, and you have an end-of-the-first-round player who Pilsy, I think, is going to be, uh, I think, more so than the other two guys, he's going to be an NHLer. I think I think it's as close to a guarantee, but it's just can yeah. he be more than just a penalty-killing specialist? Will the offense translate at the pro level? This is a very safe pick. I would agree with you just because he has a B game. And I would even argue he maybe even has a C game. Like this guy plays a physical two-way forward type of game. But you mentioned it, 69 points in 66 games. Now I know it's the cue. Take with that what you will. But that's good offense. And he's just all the highlights I watched and what I read, he's so reliable with the puck, which is such a – relief for these junior players that are looking to get drafted like he's not trying to do too much with it he's never going to force plays he's going to make the smart play over and over and over again and then get back on the bench in time like it's just he seems like a guy that is going to support his teammates properly and I think if you're a team looking at uh, drafting Ethan Gauthier you can you can put a handful of different guys on his center and left wing and be like, yep, that'll be a nice line. Yep. That'll be a nice line. Like you can do so many different combinations of players that can work playing along with Gautier. I completely agree that he's going to be a complimentary player at the NHL level, right? Like he's yeah. not the kind of guy where it's like, Oh, the Gautier line was buzzing today. It's going to be whoever his centerman is, but he's just going to be able to, you know, make up for any sort of defensive lapses that his team has. I feel like he, all the highlights I watch, even when he's scoring, he's the trailer. He's like the third man in the zone, always able to to win, to score goals because he's got a, I'd say above average shot. It's a good shot. Yep. Good shot. Good shot. Nice shot, dude. Nice shot. Yeah. Good job. Nice shot. Um, but no, like third man in the zone, typically able to kind of pull up. I don't think 
it's kind of funny that he's related to Julian Gauthier because Gauthier's at his best when he's protecting pucks down low. Julian is. Whereas I don't think that Ethan's the same type of player in terms of being that physical presence on the forecheck. And not that you probably wish Julian Gauthier was more physical based yes. inside, but in terms of puck protection, I think that uh, Ethan Gauthier is more of kind of a defensive-minded forward who can produce a little bit of offense as well. Yeah, and uh, again, I'll I'll try my hand at a player comparable, Ross, but he kind of, yeah, I'm really pushing at this. Flip it. The key is shades of, I really like that term. It gives you a little bit of grace there. Shades of Connor Brown, right? Yes. Like Connor Brown was a guy that put up points in junior, but then got to the NHL and he's like, oof, I'm stuck on this bottom six of the Leafs here. I got to rely on my two-way game. Then he comes to Ottawa. Gets a top six opportunity, leads the team in scoring, and he's a great penalty killer. And he's a guy that can play a solid, responsible two way game. And yeah, did we ever say, oh, the Connor Brown line is buzzing? No, but he was a guy that was able to get it done. You could bump him up and down the lineup with ease. So yeah, I think Ethan Gauthier plays a similar type game to Connor Brown. I actually really like that Thank comparison. You. Dare I say, I really like that comparison. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Yeah, you certainly are. And safe is is a key word there. And we mentioned he's 5'11", 175. Size is not an issue. And and he's had spurts of offensive brilliance, even as, as recently as the Halinka Cup, where you mentioned six goals in five games. Just boom, offensive production. But the end of the season did not go his way. In the series against Halifax, he had three points in the first three games. They were up 2-1. Then they lose three in a row. He has eight penalty minutes, no points, minus five, and only two shots on goal, and they both came in the same game. So, And then they trade him in the offseason. Right. But is that going to be something that not wakes him up, but is able to kind of allow him to, to grow and get that next opportunity? I think, I hope so, because I, from everything I see, a safe, projectable player who if your team just drafted at the end of the first round, especially like Pilsy said, man, wouldn't San Jose be a good pick for – for uh, Ethan Gote at the end, like with 28th overall, because then they're, they're getting their elite offensive yep. talent at four. And now you're looking to be like, okay, who could complement that yes. player? And then they're going to pick again. Maybe they even are able to wait until their early second round pick. But if he's in the second round, this is a home run pick. I think like agreed. I don't think he gets out of the first round. I don't think so. Or, or at least I would be shocked because especially like, a team like Montreal at the end there, like that's, I hate to do it to you, Ross, but that's another great option for Montreal. No, no, he's a four-star guy for me. He's not like, I'm not banging the table saying you need I, to draft Ethan Gauthier. I got Ethan Gauthier at four and a half stars, Ross, just, okay. just because I think he's so safe that even if he doesn't hit his ceiling, you're still going to generate an NHL player from a top draft pick. Would you put him ahead of Quinton Musty? We covered yesterday. Mm, no, I'm a big Quentin Musty guy. Uh, I'm just going back to my notes about him. I don't think I would. What about Daniel Boot? Yeah, I got him ahead of Daniel Boot just because uh, Daniel Boot, like, that's a raw, talented guy that you're. it's going to be a bit of a project to get him there. Whereas Ethan Gauthier, yeah, it might take a little bit more time, but I'm not worried about his development path. Yeah, for, for me today, I'd go Otto Stenberg one. Then I'd probably put Ethan Gauthier just ahead of okay. Gavin Brindley. And I hate to do it because Brindley's my type of player, like that dog mentality, that you know, that hustle, that competitiveness, that everything. But with Ethan Gauthier, I just think you're you're more likely. And at an, an, for the NHL, I think at this part of the draft, it's like, who's going to play games for us? And yeah. that's Ethan Gauthier. And that's why Ethan Gauthier comes in at number 26 on our Locked On Senators 
NHL draft rankings. For more draft rankings, head over to our Locked On Senders YouTube page where we will have each and every one of these profiles for your viewing pleasure. All right, Pills, any final thoughts on today's show? Final thoughts for me is it's sad the 2022-2023 season is officially over. Uh, I would have liked to get a little more uh, Stanley Cup final playoff action, but when Matthew Kachuk got a broken sternum, that that was it for the. You hear Brady? Brady had to help him out of bed in Game Four. Players had to help him get dressed in the locker room. Wow, that's and crazy. Aaron Ekblad was playing with with some wild injuries as well. Yeah, I mean that's hockey, but yeah, that's that's tough when uh, the driver of your team is is completely out. Yeah, a, a broken. Like, what do you want? What do you expect? The fact that he played Game Four with it is truly remarkable. Meanwhile, Aaron Ekblad played with a broken foot since the Ooh. Boston series, popped what? his shoulder twice, and tore his oblique. <sighs> not to, not to. Well, I don't know if rain on the parade, but not to be uh, disingenuous. Obviously, we we want these players to be healthy. We want the best competitive league possible in the NHL. But Paul Maurice said last night. There's going to be some players that are going to need surgery that will not start the season, which just again goes to tell you the what? start of the season for the Ottawa Senators is absolutely paramount this upcoming season. They cannot stumble out of the gate. They just cannot. You have to take advantage of the fact that Florida just played for an extra two and a half months, that Tampa, you're hoping, still has some extra miles on their tires based on their long runs over the last number of years until this year. But I am fully expecting Florida to, to stumble out of the gate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not to be this guy, Ross, but you also were uh, ready for the Florida Panthers' downfall last season. So, And all of us were ready for the Boston Bruins' downfall last season, and that did not happen. To be fair, nobody expected Brad Marchand and Charlie McAvoy to come back as soon as they did. They only Definitely, missed that's fair weeks rather than months it felt like and yeah like they were supposed to be christmas returns and they were back in november yeah they were back at thanksgiving yeah. really the wrong holiday for the return date but hey next season matters for the auto senders it's a, it's extremely important like man oh you look at all of the different um teams that have had success since the sends last made the playoffs like it's time to it's time to flip the switch pilsy and get this team back to where it needs to be so my final thoughts is Good riddance to the 2022-23 NHL. <laughs> nice. Take a different approach and say it's time to move forward. And with okay. tomorrow on Locked On Senators, what do you say we project Shane Pinto's next contract and get into oh, that? Okay, because I think that could have yeah. serious implications to how money is spent elsewhere when we can lock down a range for Shane Pinto. So coming up on tomorrow, we'll have that. For today, we say goodbye. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators Podcast. It's your team every day.